0: or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Kyle Root. Kyle went from zero to 70 units with no JV or syndication. Uh, He's built systems in place where his team does 99% of the work. That sounds really nice. Um, Put eight properties under contract in January. So, um, Kyle, I'll stop there because I definitely want to let you um, kind of share your story in your words. But first, let me just say thank you. Thank you for coming on the show and and taking out the t- taking the time out to come kind of share your story with us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jason, for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, so why don't you go ahead, tell us your story, your background, kind of elaborate a little bit more on you know kind of what got you into real estate and and your journey.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I am originally from Michigan. I uh, live in Green Bay, Wisconsin right now. My background, um, life before real estate, right? Uh, I went to college. I thought as a child, I was really pushed. You know, college is the only way to go. Um, we we need to be working with our minds and our bodies, which is a great, you know, method in theory, but there's many different ways now that I've gotten out of college. Um, but I have realized that, you know, college wasn't a great fit for me. Um, I ended up go get, going to get a four-year degree and the whole time I was there, nothing really fit. You know, um, it was pushed that you need to be a hard worker. And I'm sitting here working for employers. And I'm like, something's just not clicking for me. You know, I'm just, I'm working really hard. I'm doing my time and I'm making 80, $90,000 a year when I got out of school. And I'm like, I look at the top level people in these corporate companies. And for me, something just wasn't working. So early on in college, I started, about my junior year, I would say, I started researching storage facilities, started reading some of Grant Cardone's books, just gathering information to try to figure out a way how to build real wealth. And at this time, I didn't really know how I was gonna do it. I just saw that there was a trend. Every time I was doing research, there was a trend back to real estate. Even business owners that aren't specifically in real estate own it. So I kept seeing this trend of real estate shifting and shifting into real estate. And I'm like, boy, I gotta gotta do something here so fast forward to college graduation i graduated went and worked in uh corporate america if you will i was working for an industrial construction company and in their in their management and we were working on 100 million dollar uh construction projects refineries things like that um gained a lot of great knowledge i was had the ability to learn how to manage people understand contracts negotiate prices for construction terms, things like that. So there was a lot of things that I was able to pull away from it. Worked for them for about two years. And then, and then I was, uh, during this two year period, I was 26 years old and just gathering information, gathering information. And I was like, it's time to get into real estate. I, I read probably 20, 30 books, listened to podcasts and did everything that I could from an information gathering standpoint. And I still had question marks, right? Like many people do. They gather information, gather information. And they're like, you know, I don't have every single piece to jump into real estate comfortably. And some of the common terms that we talk about in real estate now is analysis paralysis that we don't want to just overanalyze. Because if you overanalyze, you can talk yourself out of any deal, right? Any situation, you can overanalyze anything and talk yourself out of it. So like, it's just time to get into the game. And this was back at uh, the end of 2019. I was 26 years old and I bought my first property. It was a duplex. First property, end of 2019. And I did the whole put 20% down. I'd been saving up for years, put 20% down, put about $5,000 into cleanup, getting it re-rented. And it was renting out. I At the end of the day, I had around $40,000 or into this duplex. And I was making like two hundred and fifteen bucks a month, and that didn't even include repairs, property management, and I was like, There's, "I'm I'm terrible at this, right? Like, I'm I'm never gonna be able to scale." I'm like, geez, Kyle, like you you dove in too soon. You needed different information, more information, something, right?" Um, so then I came across just a different method of just fixing up properties. So buying more distressed homes, uh, single family duplexes, fourplexes more distressed properties and offering um, offering at a higher volume and offering at a lower price. So I started offering, say a property was listed at 100,000. I was offering between 10 to 15 before I was ever getting one. And I was, you know, I guess a, a term low ball. I was basically offering way under list price. I was running my numbers. I was making sure they were going to cash flow um, per unit, three to $400 a month. Um, and I was just offering that number and I was like, I'm just going to keep offering and keep offering until I start getting good ones and compound over time. I was able to get about four or five properties. I had done a few flips and I'm like, okay, I've got a few processes. I figured out how to do this and I'll get into that in a little bit, but I was, I figured out how to buy real estate with, um, with no joint ventures, no syndications, which both have great benefits, but for me, I just wanted full control. Um, And it was using private funds and hard money lending. And I found my niche. And another thing I'll touch on is finding your niche and staying in your lane, especially when you're just trying to scale. I found my niche and that was between single family and four units using private funds and um, hard money lenders. With my construction background, I was able to go into these properties, renovate at a timely manner, refinance at a timely manner, get them rented out. And all of a sudden I've got three, $400 in monthly cash flow coming in after all expenses. And then I just said, man, how do I really, really scale this thing? And I just started building out methods. I said, okay, if I'm going to look at wanting to get 30 this year, and this brings me back to 2021. So at this point I had about three or four properties going into 2021. And I said, I want to get to 30 units this year. And this is what I firmly believe in goal setting. Is some people get overwhelmed by how to set goals, the, you know, the milestone is too far. No milestone is too far if you're able to push it out and then break it down into incremental milestones that ultimately reach your end goal. So I was able to break it down and say, okay, what do we need to do every single month in order to get 30? I said, well, I need to get roughly two units every single month. So I built the systems all around that. All the systems that had to go with buying two units every single month, it was either two duplexes or if I would buy a four unit, I'm good for two months or two single family homes, whatever it was, that's what I had to do. And and then I broke it down to what I had to do every week and we just did it. So 21, I got to 30 units utilizing that method, hard money, fixing them up, offering at volume, um, doing a cash out refinance, getting my money back, and we just kept doing that month after month, after month, 2022, we, I set a goal out to reach to 70 and that was adding an additional 40 units. So you look at, you know, you got 12 months. I knew that I was going to get on average between three and five units every single month, the same thing. I just broke it down. I added pieces to my team and we were able to accomplish that by implementing more systems, more methods and, um, yeah, it just ultimately just keeps compounding. And one of the biggest things, you know, a lot of people preach systems, methods, um, determination, and it's like, well, what's actually applicable to real estate? You know, like people use all these words and phrases and people are listening like, okay, well, what is, what do I need to be determined in? What do I, what is methods and systems like, what does this all really mean? The easiest way that I was able to develop it, I was, I started watching people that were doing either more of what I was doing or exactly where I wanted to go. And I just went to them and I said, Hey, what are you guys doing that I can implement into my business? And I just kept learning from people doing more than me. And I think, um, I think when we look at how to be successful in real estate, I think the two pieces are having information, having the right information and not quitting. Because, you know, you you talk about a lot of people that go, you know, consistency. Consistency is a big thing that people talk about. But I've seen a lot of people that go to the gym every day, and that's consistent. But I'm going to cut out there. Um, Go to the gym every day and stay consistent in the gym, but the results never change. So somewhere along the way, the information that they have they lack in either their nutrition is bad, whatever it might be, right. So I think having the right information, and not quitting, everything underneath those two categories fall into investing in real estate, and ultimately, what's going to get you to your goal, in my belief.
0: Yeah, no, I think that, that's great. I mean, there's, there's a lot there, um, Kyle, that we can, we can really dive into, because I think you you even going back as far as you know, your your sort of take on your college journey, and it's, Uh, it is, I think, common for people to say, you know, that this is what you're supposed to do, right? It's like, you know, go, go to college, get a good job, make, you know, find, (laughs) find someone you can work for that'll pay you enough and move up the corporate ladder and all of that. I think that's, that's a, a, um, common theme. A lot of people growing up, that's what their parents get. And, and quite frankly, that's, that probably was the right path for, you know, the generations before um but it's not necessarily the right path for everyone now um I I I have young children and I and even my my thoughts on you know whether or not they should go to college is has shifted a lot so I think there's a lot to to be said for having those conversations and and thinking like like okay what if you didn't go to college What, what are the other options what what else can you do um and then you you went and you you did that. But you got a job that was sort of relevant to what you had been thinking about, right? In in the construction industry, you got a, you got a background there, which I think isn't a bad idea either. Like people can, uh, we've talked I've talked with other guests about sort of the apprenticeship type of approach to getting into real estate, where you go find and touches on one of your other points. Like you find someone else who's doing what you want to do, and Kind of get in their their sphere, and you know, really just kind of you can gain a lot of insight, knowledge, um, wisdom from that 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 you might not get from from just a book. So I think that makes sense. But I really want to maybe dive into more on your your sort of outline of of how you scaled your business because um, yeah. I think that stuff is super important um and i I believe you're right yes you need to have determination you need to have systems you need to have processes people talk about this all the time but if you actually try to go find out how to do that it's not that's not as readily available you can hear a lot of people saying you have to have these systems and processes but but actually implementing them and and kind of understanding what they what they should be for your specific business model I think is really key. So how did you you, you know you sort of talked us through that sort of that number progression, but but maybe yeah. talk a little bit about kind of the nuts and bolts of, of how you did that. What you know, you, you said I, you know, on your own you did whatever it was, four or six units, and then now I want to do thirty. Obviously it's it's harder to do that on your own. So so can you walk us through a little bit of that
1: progression? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, So some of the things that I implemented in order to scale was ultimately three main parts of my business. It was acquisitions um, from a realtor perspective, and then also a non-realtor. So two different acquisition people, one that was a realtor, one that wasn't, and then uh, the construction piece. So I knew that in order for me to scale, I was going to have to start paying people. And for me, I didn't want to give up my rental income so i i asked myself i said kyle how how can we hire a well obviously a realtor side right we know all know how they're paid for the most part um how can i hire an acquisition specialist and a project manager without paying them anything out of my monthly rent so what i did is i started working them into my numbers on the purchase and the construction side the purchase side i hired an acquisition specialist i said hey for every on-market property that um, like MLS, anything that's lo- or available to everyone's eye, I will pay you $2,000 per acquisition for every off market that you go and get, I'll pay you $4,000 per acquisition. So to him, he's like, oh my gosh, of course. And at this, at this time, I, I had already purchased probably 10 to 15 properties of a combination of MLS um, and off market. So I had some ways to do it. But ultimately for me to scale, that position was a full-time job. So I looked at it and I, that two to $4,000 on market off market was part of my underwriting process when I was going to, uh, fundamentally run the the math on the property and how it would perform. So that $2,000 would go in there, that $4,000 would go in there. And that would ultimately be part of the acquisition side. So when I would close on it, um, it, the money that I would get from my hard money lender or private lenders, um, and now I'm kind of doing some line of credit stuff. But when I would get that money from uh, my hard money lenders, I would take some of that money, pay him. So I made sure that I had enough money that I could pay him, and then I hired a project manager that managed all the construction. Now, the construction side, I wanted to ensure that we we had at our at the forefront of this project manager's mind, I wanted to ensure that he understood, productivity and quality um, are are our main goals we want to be productive but we also want quality we don't want to give up either one so i paid him or still paying him 10 percent of the total construction budget and i set the budget so i have construction background he has construction background but if i just let you know him run with his own if he's just like, "Okay, here's a forty thousand dollars construction budget for this duplex, and he's getting ten percent, I'm like, "Hold on, hold on." So I had to set the construction budget. He got ten percent of the um ten percent of the total construction budget. So if it was twenty thousand dollars, he would get two thousand dollars, and I would work that two thousand dollars into underwriting. And once it, it it all clicked, like we did three or four deals like that. I found my acquisition guy, found my project manager. They really came together and started working good together. And then all we did was take that same method, we started in one location, and then we took that same method, me, acquisition manager, um, yeah, acquisition manager, realtor, and project manager. And then we just went and made little nuggets all over the place. And now we're in like four different markets and we're just gonna keep scaling that way. We're gonna keep building teams that way and we're gonna keep putting basically that same team in different markets for us to be able to scale. So access to funds and setting up our team, that's really how we, how we were able to scale so quick up to this point.
0: Yeah. I, lo- I love that system. And and I think it's interesting because w- you mentioned analysis paralysis, a lot of people get, you know, kind of stuck in that. And, and you said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give up my rental income. Like I don't want to give up more of my money, my share, how do I figure this out? And so you work those things into your underwrite- underwriting in. in you know two two and four thousand dollars to the acquisitions manager is um if you, if you think about this from a you know maybe a, a broader standpoint a lot of people pay a wholesaler a whole lot more than that for each deal that they're brought to them so having someone in-house and and you know it allows them to it probably allows them to do a, a higher volume you know they might get a little bit less for each but they give it allows them to do a higher volume and it it allows you to have that sort of relationship. They know exactly what your work you're looking for. You have one person, and and yeah, getting that um, set up is, is a great idea. And then the construction manager, project manager, certainly is is very important. And I uh, I love your point about you set the budget um, on the on that construction manager. You set the budget. How did you handle things? Like I think this is something that people might run into uh, with their own construction managers or their or their um, if they have property management. How did you handle things like w- if there was a, a disagreement, for, you know, you, you or uh, a change order or something like that, right? You think it should be. Um, you know, you think the budget should be 20,000, he thinks it should be 30 or whatever the, the case may be, or you're moving along and, oh, we find out we have to, uh, we have some some rotted subfloor, we've got to replace that in and the and the floor joists underneath. Like, how did you, rep- how do you address things like that in that type of scenario? I think, I think that would be actually very helpful for people.
1: Yeah, no, great question. Um, so actually, I think it really just comes down to, so we do an initial walk of the property. And I think especially people from my position. And if, if, um, if you go out and hire a, a project manager, a property manager, and you're going through a renovation, I think you have to be realistic with what you're looking at, right? Like the problem that everyone has, is they don't want, you know, contractors don't, a lot of them don't want to work with investors because, you know, for us, we built this name that we're just cheap, you know, like we want to do everything cheap. No one wants to work with us. And I didn't want that that name. Um, obviously there comes a, a time where you need to understand your market. Like you don't want to over-renovate it depending on the area. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm saying like, if you go and see mold, we don't just cover up mold. We do the right things to remediate it, to remove it because ultimately we care about the health of our future tenant. So to answer your question, my, my project manager and I, we walk to properties Um, he's taking over a little bit more. I'm kind of becoming less involved as far as walking the properties, but to build that relationship early on him and I would walk it. I would always ask him, Hey, what do you think? What do you think construction wise for this? He would toss out a number 25. And to be honest, Jason, nine times out of 10, we were able to come to an agreement, uh, pretty close in price. And I'm always willing to go there. I'm like, Hey, if if it's 20,000 or 25,000, we'll go 25,000. And if we come underneath, I mean, that's only, that's the difference of, you know, $500. And to me, I want, I want happy people. I want happy yeah. employees because $500 off my back and the way I pay them, um, I'm, I'm not too worried. I think just the communication, be realistic in your, in your budgets, have a little bit of a buffer in your budgets. And as, as items, like you mentioned, as items come up that were unforeseen, um, we just communicate through them. And for him, there's projects that come under and we end up paying them same. There's times it goes over and we pay them the same. So I think just communication from the beginning really just kind of clears up all of that. Yeah,
0: great points. And I, I think the, you know, mentioning being realistic, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's I think there's a lot of investors that are like, oh no, that should cost, you know, whatever, $5,000. And it's really, it's a $15,000 yeah. job. It's just like, it's just not, you have to, do have to to some degree be realistic. You have to be dialed in on what those numbers are in your specific market. You need to you need to actually know what they should cost, and th- so it doesn't mean that there should be no sort of pushback. But sometimes it's just you hear people that are like, "Well, I I want you know, <laughs> I want this unit renovation for five thousand dollars." And I want, you know, stainless steel appliances and granite countertops and blah. And it's like, well, there's your $5,000. You can't actually fix anything else because that's it right there. But it's just kind of um, that realistic portion of it. And, And then the communication, I think, is another great point that if you in the beginning, you know, you're building that relationship. So you're doing it together. You're making those decisions. And then now you've worked with, with him long enough that him or her, you've worked with them long enough to, to go ahead and, and just kind of, you know, sort of trust their, their judgment. And, and that allows you having, I think that's a really great point in, in reference to scaling is that allows you to the trust in the people that work for you, the trust in your team, that's truly what allows people to scale because at some point you really can't be there at every project, right? If you're doing, um, the, you know the the level of volume that you're doing, and and you know generally people, you if you do 40 in one year, you're like okay, we're going to do 60 next year, that kind of thing. People don't tend to necessarily want to stay right where they are, and so you at, at some point, the, the, just the amount of time that's involved and, and effort, you've got to have people on your team that you trust. How do you find them?
1: The people that I hired. Yeah,
0: yeah. How do you how do you how do you so- look for team members and, and sort of get them in place?
1: Yeah. So I think that, first of all, I think you have to be building something that's valuable to everybody. Uh, The first person that I hired the acquisition, he actually reached out to me. He saw what I was doing and he reached out to me and ultimately I I can give him some thanks because he got that idea rolling in my head. He didn't necessarily say, Hey, here's a great business idea for you, Kyle, but he reached out to me and said, Hey, I'd love to do what you're doing. Like I would kind of want to be under like a mentorship program underneath you. I want to learn real estate. And I just, that that kind of got me thinking because at that point I had already started to have like a kind of a successful movement and people in the local community would have been seeing it. And he reached out and uh, that's kind of how that started. So I, I was building something that um, that was that, that people were noticing. So he reached out and I was able to hire him, but that was the only instance that happened. Um, and truthfully, I think when you're just getting started and you're trying to find the right pieces, the easiest, the easiest thing to do is, is hire family and friends. And I think a lot of people are very scared to hire family and friends and they not scared. I don't think people should be scared, but they should be calculated, right? Like understanding people, people's personalities, is it actually going to fit? Like I have family members reaching out all the time, asking for jobs and I'm like, I know you too well and this is not a place for you or friends reaching out. I'm like, no, I love you, man, but this is just not, this isn't it for you. you know. So I think starting off when you don't have a lot of money or you don't have a lot to give, um, I think it's for me what worked is reaching out to family and friends and then also getting people on board with your vision, where you want to go. If people can see where you want to go, where you're wanting to take this thing and they know they can be a part of something bigger than just them, and whatever office they're coming from, I think that really attracts people. And, and obviously you can go to the whole recruiting side, like what is it, LinkedIn, Instagram, everything that like, how do we actually like the fundamentals of recruiting? Um, I think once you start building something and a brand and you start having a little bit of a name and you start having contacts, you just reach out to your network or post on your Instagram. Hey, I'm hiring, reach out to family and friends. Hey, this is what I'm looking for. Uh, do, you, do you, or do you know anyone that is interested? Um, so in short, I would just say reaching out to your local network and tell just being honest with what you're looking for. And just, as you get feedback, just keep, just keep developing relationships. And, um, those people are out there. It's just reaching out to your network at, at, at the very beginning. And then you'll just see that thing kind of blow up and, and having the right vision.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. The, the vision piece of that, I think, you know, Brandon Turner talks about that, how he built open open door capital and just kind of create a vision first but I think it it really sometimes sounds a little bit you know kind of I don't know people esoteric like people it's like oh you're not you're gonna hire people just because they think you have this cool idea but that it's true like it's true like people if you can have the vision and and show how you're going to create something um something great people want to be a part of it and I, I think it's uh, that's where, where great leadership comes in is, is, is being just that kind of example of where, where people want to get to, or what they want to be a part of. And, and you'll, you know, people will come, you know, they, they'll find you as, as happened with you, with you, Kyle. So I think, I mean, it really sounds like you're, you're building something great. I mean, you have built something great and it's just, it's just growing. What, um, what's, what's the, the plan for this year? I know you, you, uh, wanted to get up to 70 in 2022. What, what are you thinking for 2023?
1: Yeah, so this year we are going to start pivoting a little bit away from single family duplexes, uh, some of that smaller stuff. I do want to end up getting into some storage facilities, uh, some commercial properties, just kind of diversifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but our goal right now is to get to 150 units. And I think that we can achieve that with the team that we have in place. We also want to open up another location. Um, Yeah. So we want to add one more location and reach 150 units. And ultimately uh, like my main goal is I want to reach 500, 500 by um, my 30th birthday, which is basically two and a half years from now. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's an exciting time. Um, I think if you can find properties that cash flow right now, where interest rates are, I think in five, 10 years, there's yeah. absolute amazing amazing opportunity I mean the way I'm looking at it I keep buying I'm accepting smaller profit margins mm-hmm. just as far as like cash flow like we're at, at one point I was okay with 500 we're okay at 200 bucks a month right now 300 bucks a month we're okay accepting a little bit less because I know in five ten years whenever these interest rates fall back I'm gonna do an, uh, a refinance of my interest rate and cash flows is gonna go to the roof so um, we're still buying, we're still, our purchase is completely different. Uh, we, we're lowering our purchase price. We're driving it to the bottom and we're making sure that it's, it's a good deal today because I know in the future, it's going to be an amazing deal.
0: Yeah. that That's great. That's really great. Uh, point about, you know, current people are really scared about the interest rates, but, but truly it's, it's going to create, create opportunities. You just have to, you have to be patient and willing to, you know, sort of, work harder to find them and and work harder to to put them in place. But it's, it's a really um, excellent uh, sort of long-term outlook that you have there on that. Um, I love it. Well, let me switch gears. I want to get the chance to ask you all the questions I ask every guest. Um, First one is based on the name of the show being know your why. So what, what is your why Kyle? What, what drives you kind of keeps pushing you towards more and more success?
1: Yeah. So early on, Early on, just like everyone that's just beginning, right, your why, your why is to ultimately get financially free or have in, enough income coming in to go on that extra vacation or, or whatever whatever it might be. For me, just like many many other people, I wanted to be able to leave my job, create enough passive income that I didn't have to worry about going to work for someone or making someone else, you know, wealthy. Initially, that was my why and. I ended up kind of noticing that I was reaching this this kind of shallow and just it wasn't really it wasn't really connecting. You know, like I, I became financially free and it was like, OK, awesome. Now what? Right. Like, would do we just keep buying and becoming more wealthy and just just keep buying all for you, Kyle? So when I started hiring people and I started I started hiring people and now I've got a coaching side that I do, I help people buy Uh, When I started seeing other people be successful and they would text me, hey, Kyle, I just got my first property. To be honest, there was nothing more exciting than me providing the information that I've learned to other people and seeing them win. It's At this point, that is my why. My why is to help other people provide information, uh, learn from my mistakes, and ultimately see other people be successful. Because I think a lot of people get caught up into – a situation where they think there's not enough deals for everybody, right? At the end of the day, most people probably aren't going to do what you tell them to do anyway. So you could provide all the information, you could say, "I, I I'd really recommend you go invest in real estate. It's the you know the best place to put your money or other people's money through syndications, joint ventures, whatever it might be. At the end of the day, the majority of people just won't do it for a reason. But the people that are highly, highly motivated to get into real estate or just buy one a year or whatever it might be, one every five years and pay, whatever the reason is, just seeing other people be successful in real estate and knowing that I was able to help them and I was able to alleviate all those same stressors that you started with or I started with just getting started and they had someone to lean on. Ultimately, at this point in my life, and it might change in 10 years, I don't have kids right now, so it might change. Uh, but right now I really, really enjoy helping people and uh, having like this type of communication because right now, like this is going to be pushed out to your podcast viewers and maybe they take a piece from that. So it's just, yeah. you know, building the relationships and helping uh, other people. I think is ultimately right now is my why.
0: Yeah. Love it. I love it. And and I think you're right. The why evolves, right? It's, it's you know, one thing we get started, it, I think it's, it's, a. Uh, age related career or stage of career related. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it, but I think, uh, yeah, the, the, I, <laughs> almost like I would say probably every single guest at like it, at some way, some place point along the way, it just evolves into some version of giving back. Right. And it, you know, for you, it's, you know, helping other real estate investors, people, it, it I just love, I just love kind of hearing that, you know, sort of process the way, the way people work through it. Um, Tell us something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge, a special skill, a hobby, um, anything that you're sort of comfortable sharing, let people uh, know you a little bit better.
1: Yeah, so I would say probably similar to a lot of other successful people that other people have listened to. I wasn't um, I wasn't a great student like in school. I wasn't a great student. I graduated high school with like a two point seven GPA college with like two point nine GPA missed classes, I, I, I didn't apply myself, um, and, and the reason I'm sharing that is not that I couldn't have got good grades, it's just something that wasn't clicking, right, so, um, and I think we go through this kind of uh, systematical, you know, school process that that success means how you did in school, or on a grade, or on a test, or, or that, is, that is what we are defining, so, not everybody, but some people define that As success. And for me, it was just, it was hard because it just wasn't connecting the whole time. Just nothing was connecting. I wasn't applying myself, didn't get good grades. Um, And then I guess my point of this is that no matter what happened in my past or other people's past or their grades, good or bad, I'm not saying, hey, if you're a 4.0 student, don't get into real estate because you have to have good, bad grades, right? Like, I'm not saying that. But a lot of people find their success and their capabilities based on what they did in in previous years in school and jobs um so so ultimately like I I went back this year for a um a recruiting So, so I was hiring for my company I went back to my old college and I was just sitting around I was at a brewery I was sitting around some friends some old friends and they even told me that they couldn't believe that where I am because I was part of like the lower in the classroom like I was I got like average grades and I, they were like, I can't believe that you are where you are now. And um, it, it's just amazing to look back on the person that you were, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago. And after you start compounding time and you start pivoting and finding your groove, as I like to call it, the minute you can find your groove and you can stay in that groove and start chasing it really, a lot of things start to compound. And that's ultimately what happened to me is uh, like, people now will talk to me and I'm a completely different person today than what I was, you know, when I was in college. And I think just defining your success on who you are today, not letting your past eat up on you um, for me has been, has been pretty amazing because I've really just pivoted everything. And now, now we're headed in a direction that's really exciting, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's a great, great point. Um, And I think it, it, it comes down to passion, right? Like so much of school formal education whether it's high school college it's like these are the classes you have to take this is how you know this this is how it's going to go even to be you know you have a a specific i will use me as an example i'm a veterinarian right that's my sort of day job outside of a lot of schooling that goes into that i did (laughs) i did all the schooling i i would truthfully tell you 75 percent of it was a waste of time like all the time i spent in school stuff that wasn't relevant to what i did what I do as, as a veterinarian, it t- truly didn't matter. I mean, it didn't get me. It's not that there's not important things that we learn along the way, but it's like I, I think you could you could focus on when people get to focus on their passion, right? It's like now you have uh whatever it is. It doesn't have to be real estate. It doesn't it can be anything. But w- once you find your passion and you're focused on it and you dive in, like you you may then be, you know, sort of the greatest student of that whatever that thing is that in 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 any capacity so it's kind of just like I think what what school forces us to do is almost be uh, like generalists even even on the way to a specific career it's like yeah but you have to take English literature and you have to take this history class and you have to and it's like well I don't I don't care. I'm sorry, I don't care about English literature. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. It it hasn't mattered. You know, I'm I'm many years removed from that. It hasn't come into play. Like, it's not a problem. I don't get those questions right on Jeopardy. Like, that's the biggest loss in my life. But it's kind of a, a, what you're saying is, is really a great point in the sense that like, it's like, the reason why some people might have, uh, you may look at their GPA and it's like, okay, it's not you know top of the class well it's like that's because half of the classes they had to take they didn't care about like what you know look look at what's actually relevant to what they're doing and and I think that that gets missed but um great point uh got on a little bit of attention there so sorry but um no, was when, great when people hear this Kyle what's what's the best way to reach out to you
1: yeah I would just say through my Instagram uh it's KJ underscore root I put on a a lot of free content uh, about Three to five times a week, I'm posting videos, just free content, just kind of my my life and in my journey through real estate. So I would say Instagram is probably the best place to to follow me at.
0: Perfect. Um, final question for you: When when uh, you, you meet someone new who's getting started, you know what what advice would you give to someone who's trying to get into real estate, trying to get started, and and they're they're looking to you as as a mentor? What advice would you give to them?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so i think obviously outside of information right like you have to have the ability to gather information find someone that has the right information but ultimately i believe it's a mindset piece and i think we live in a world where they think it's pushed on us to get from point a to point b which is success right like where we are to where we want to go and where we want to go has something to do with success some some reason you want to get to point b whatever it is for units Capital, whatever it might be, somehow we have created this notion that there needs to be tons of friction. There needs to be tons of of problems along the way. Ultimately, when when people just get started, they need to understand that there is a solution to every single problem that you have. If you don't have it, someone else has it. If they don't have it, it can be researched on the internet. And just all of the obstacles that you think are going to come up right so like if you were say i want to get to 100 units in the next 10 years and and you think of all these obstacles all these what ifs all of these things that you aren't even you're not even sure if they're going to come up you haven't even lived the life to see if those obstacles are going to come up removing the friction of from point A to point B in the success, I believe is the biggest part to being successful, and not not looking into the future like, hey, I don't know how to deal with this obstacle in five years. It's like, hey, man, we got to take a step before we can start running. You know, like we we have to do what we have to what we can control today, and we'll fight those battles. Whatever comes in a year at unit ten or unit thirty, we'll fight those battles when they come. We don't even have one property yet. Let's focus on one property, one unit. And don't think of all the negative. Just look at them as obstacles. Find information to get over those obstacles, and just take one step at a time, and you will get there.
0: I love, I love it. I love, it. And, and I want to just kind of clarify that when when you say remove the friction, you, you're really talking about essentially mental friction, right? Like the barriers and all of that, right? Not not so not not that there won't be actual things that come up ever, but like removing that. Your your mindset block there, and and it, I don't, this just sort of popped into my head. It's kind of a funny analogy, but like, you know, we we do that as 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 adults. I don't I don't know where it comes from, but like we do. You look at okay, what could go wrong? What 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 are all the what ifs? And then it's funny. I'm just thinking about my my daughter's a year and a half, and I'm just thinking about her running through the house literally every step of the way, I think she's going to fall. Like, it looks like she's going to fall the whole time. And she does not care. Like, she's not thinking about any of that. And like, kids don't have that, if this, then that. And somehow, we, that becomes almost like this, this (laughs) piece of us that gets, you know, sort of ground into us as we grow older, where it's like, you, you worry about the consequences always. And it's like, it's not not that that's necessarily a bad thing there's some <laughs> survival to that but like the the reality of what you're saying is you know sort of removing that mental friction of the the what if of the things that could go wrong way down the road it doesn't it it you're right it, it like it doesn't doesn't make any sense and it's it if anything you know you want to look look at it the opposite like like what 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 if I achieve everything I think I could? Like, like look at the positive what ifs. What if this all goes perfectly? Like what happens then? It'll be amazing. So it's kind of uh I really love that. I really love that point. I, lo- I love that advice. I think that's that's a um great sort of take home for people to get from this.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, Kyle, this has been great. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh thank you so much for coming on the show and kind of sharing um, your story with us it's been uh, I think very very motivational people are going to get a lot of this uh, both on the mindset side and and just actionable advice you know about building your team and scaling and all of that so so thank you very much
1: yeah thanks so much Jason it was awesome Uh,
0: folks listening I know you're going to love this episode Um, it's been a great conversation please like rate and review so we can get more great guests like Kyle Um, thanks everyone have a great day or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.